0: You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. Who loves people? (laughs) Some people. Some people love people or some people can be loved. (laughs) <laughs> which one is it you know the first and greatest commandment that Jesus gave us is that love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and then he says he followed that with the statement love your neighbor as much as you love yourself you know we talk about love constantly as the the real factor for God sending his son we speak of God's love as not an attribute, but as part of who he is. The Bible didn't say that God loves necessarily, but it says that God is love. So there's nothing that God does that is outside of his nature. In his integrity, God always does everything based on who he is, not based on performance. God does not perform for us. He doesn't bless you because he can. He does things because of his nature of love and his relationship with you. That's why sometimes I get perplexed. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I I, I look at people and their sense of deservedness. As someone aptly said, some people... (laughs) are probably deserved to be loved and some people don't in some sort of way that we judge people. But God doesn't have the same filter as we do when it comes to people. He doesn't see people based on performance. doesn't see people based on what they've done to God or based on their sin. He sees people as his creation, beloved by him. And so as a result, God sent his son to us for so the whole of humanity past present future so that we could be reconciled with god so in the heart of god is always about reconciliation god's heart is not about punishment god's heart is not about judgment although all those things will happen for everyone in this world at different points in time but in the heart of God, right smack bang in the middle of the heart of God, at the very core of who he is, is the love to gather people and reconcile people to himself. And I think some of the failures of the church over the years, generally, historically speaking, is that we can be transformed by God and live our lives for God. Uh, and, and, and start to disdain other people who are coming to God because, for whatever reason, we judge people because of their past. We do that. How many, who knows what I'm talking about? Um, oh, thank you. It has disappeared, but that's okay. I'll be fine with this one because this I can use as a chair. All right. Um, you know, I, I, I think about it. I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest sin of the church today, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself too over the years is the sin of the, the prodigal son's brother. You know, we, we, we can sort of look at, it. and Ellen and I have been talking about this recently, because you can live your life in sacrifice and, and, and you can live your life, you know, in righteousness to God for so many years. And then someone comes along that had this really ugly life and you say, well, I don't know. I, I have to see if they're really serious about God. Maybe you haven't done that maybe you're better than me. I mean, take Kanye West, for example. Right? The body of Christ is kind of divided in, 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 in essence, whether is he for real? Is he really committed? But look at all the kind of sort of glitter and the Hollywood stuff happening around him. He's using his money to propel the gospel. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this myself. Lord, If I judge this man not knowing who he really is and what's really going in his heart, am I no different to the prodigal's brother? Because I've been in the house for so long. And he's just come back. Do I really know what's happening in his heart? Only God can. And and yes, there's a case to be made to say, hey, let's just wait a little bit longer before we get excited about this. You know, I get that. And do we need to be careful? Maybe he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Maybe he is. You know, um, but I think this is a distraction for the church to think about something else when we should be thinking about heaven's priority. Now here, think about it. What is heaven's, if I were to ask you, because the answer to both of these is the same, what is heaven's priority on the earth and what is your key purpose, if you were to take away your ego, take away your ambition about ministry and, and everything else that you think you should be doing for God. Because we all think that God, we should be doing something for God because God didn't call me for nothing. I didn't become a Christian so that I could just sit on the pew or whatever. But we all have a sense of purpose. And in that sense of purpose, we're actually in the center of our purpose universe. You, you are. You, you, you may not think so, but you are. Because I think I am oftentimes in the center of my purpose universe. Because it's God using me to bless people. You know, like that's that's purpose. It's about me being used by God and His power and His might. I'm, you know, anointed by God. Yeah, that's, that's me because, you know, is there something wrong with you being used by God? No, there's nothing wrong because that's exactly what God wants to use you. But maybe... Instead of me being in the center of that, God has to be a center of that. And, and I think this is some of the struggles that people have about Kanye West because it appears that a lot of the writings and a lot of the media press about him, he's in the center rather than Jesus is in the center of it. There is that. I get that. I get that. It's, I guess it's hard to take that away when you consider the kind of person he is to our modern-day culture in a narcissistic, egocentric culture built on selfies and likes of people. It's hard because that's a society we're living in today. So if you, were to, if you were to be asked, what is heaven's priority for you? What is heaven's priority on the earth? And are they two the same things? And what would the, what would the answer be if you were to truly, truly answer this question outside of yourself, with you not in the center, what is God's purpose in your life? Any takers? To worship Him? To reconcile others to God? That is the answer. Thank you, Moses. I can always rely on Moses. That is the clear biblical answer. Apart from all the other things that you might think, like some people say, well, you know, I, I need, God's called me to. To, in, into the, the secular market to make money so I can give money to the kingdom of God, you know, and that's okay. God called me to be a missionary somewhere so that I could reach the unreachable. And or maybe some of you might say, Well, God called me in the entertainment industry and you know, influence the entertainment industry. I, I've heard this before. I'm not saying you're saying this, nor am I advocating it, but I'm saying what I've heard people say. Some would even say, God called me. Uh, you know to help those who are destitute, God called me to to be like Mother Teresa and help those people in in, in, in places in the world, or you might say, "God called me to build an orphan, or God called me to be uh, you know an uh, education builder, and i 'm going to build a school for in, in in other countries in the world, whatever there might be those things at the end of the day, the singular purpose of God. For your life and my life, outside of all the performance and all the activity and all the goals, is to reconcile people to God. That is it. And that is the one thing that God will make us accountable for. It's not whether you succeeded in your business or your family maintained it, your family never broke up, or or that... You failed a couple of times in some areas of your life or your ministry closed down or you just couldn't cut it as a leader. Whatever it might be, the one thing that God will make his church accountable for is that did we reconcile people to Jesus? That is the one thing. And everything that we do must be filtered by that purpose. That if I'm giving, my giving has to reconcile people to God. If I'm praying, it's about reconciliation. If I'm hanging out with my friends, I must think of reconciling them to God. You see, your transformation is good for you, but it's not good just for you. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. And this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What an amazing statement about who we are in Christ. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're changed. You're transformed. But it doesn't stop there. And then it says, all this is from God, who through Christ... Reconciled to us, to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So at the point of your born-again experience, God handed you a gift. He gave you the gift of being reconnected with God. When you got saved, the Spirit of God reconnected you to the family of God. With that gift, with that power came great responsibility. It's true, because it says this is a gift from God, and it says, and he gave us the ministry. And the ministry is responsibility of reconciliation. What does that mean? Seems like a big word for me. I'm a a new Christian, or I didn't go to Bible college, or, you know, I don't read the dictionary. What is that? It says, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. That is bringing it back to himself in its true order. Connected, reconnected, to be in God again. To be exactly the way God designed everything to be. Because when you got saved, you actually got transformed back to the original image that God had planned for you. You did not become a better person. You became God's person image kind of thing, if that makes sense. Right? You know, all the sin and all the stuff that you did bad, all that is is just a breaking away from what you were supposed to be. We are not becoming better. We are becoming what we used to be in him in eternity. Does that make sense? It's like back to the future. Okay. And then it says here, Not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So understand that we are given responsibility, we are given a gift, and we are also entrusted. And it says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, making his appeal through us. So think about it. This is what the scripture is saying. When God gave you the gift of life and reconciliation, it wasn't so that you could just be reconciled with God. But now, because you are now part of God and his family, he is still making an appeal to reconcile the rest of the world through you. Did you get that? He's actually wanting to reconcile your friends, your families, your colleagues to himself through you. And I know over the years we've said, you know, to people, you know, you want to know God, come to church. And that's a good thing. That's an amazing thing, and they should. But coming to church does not make people believers. It's, it's a tough thing reaching out to people. You've got this scale of crazy, extreme evangelist Christians. You, you met those guys? They have stickers in their cars. You know, they're, You know, if they can't get you born again, they'll get their cars born again, you know? Put Jesus stickers everywhere. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a lot of fun, right? And then and you can't have proper conversations with guys like this. How do I know I was one of them? I, I had my guitar with Jesus stickers everywhere. I had it in my back, and my backpack, and I traveled the world sharing the gospel. And everyone that I saw... Was lost and needing the gospel right there and then. I led every single person that I met in my travels. Just about very very small um, level of, of not getting them to Jesus. I, I was I was so, I remember standing in uh, in in the mall in the outside mall in the cobblestones of Sheffield, England, and I took out my paint. My, my canvas, and I started painting, and the, gather, the crowd started to gather, and I started to talk to them about Jesus, and I would not let them go unless they gave their life to Jesus, and they did. I made them, <laughs> you know. I made sure they did. I was one of those guys, and there's a space for that in the body of Christ, amen. They're radical. You know, wherever they go, they just explode. I kind of mellowed out a little bit over the years, apparently, and, and, and then you got on the other side, the, uh, the, the Christian who, who lead people by osmosis, you've seen those guys, they just hang out with uh, their non-Christian friends and, and family members, and hopefully just by hanging around them, these guys will become Christians too, just by hanging out. Is that wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. But I think somewhere in the middle there has to be intentionality in everything that we do with regards to being ministers of reconciliation. Because you can't come away from the fact that God reconciled you and has given you responsibility. It is in the Bible. It's not something for the crazy evangelist only. And for for others who are there by osmosis, think I'm probably more normal than most Christians. I can just hang out with non-Christians and be with them and, and they're okay with me and I'm okay with them. But without intentionality, your friends will go to hell. If you don't pray for them, if you don't, at some point in time in your life, in your travel, you will enjoy heaven and your friends won't. And there's a time in which, in our lifetime, where there will be an opportunity for you that the Holy Spirit will give you to do just that. I'm not saying bang on the door, take your Bible and shove it down their throat. I am not saying that at all. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will know the moment. And I pray you don't miss that moment. I missed the moment last Sunday night. I have been so far away from my extreme evangelist road traveler that I have become domesticated by my profession. The wild barbarian evangelist has become a domesticated cat. When it comes to carrying the gospel, I've become a nice guy, so to speak. I met a couple of ladies outside of the community center last week, and I'm praying for them. Crystal and Helen. And I sat out, I was was there, and and they were there having a quick smoke, and I think they were out there, I thought I did see them. And I pulled over to pick up Samara from the young adults, you know, gathering. It was awesome. There were so many young adults that were worshiping Jesus, and everybody could hear them. The non-Christians that were there having a business meeting could hear our young adults worshiping the Lord. It was powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And I waved at them as if I knew them. I thought I knew them. I waved and they smiled and they waved. And so as I was coming towards the door to pick up my daughter, they stopped me. And they said, what's happening here? I said, well, this is a church gathering of our young adults. you got to be between 18 to 30. And these guys love God, and they're having church. And they said to me, "What about you?" I said, "Well, I go to church." And we started talking about church, and I started. I did what every clever, well-evolved Christian communicators would do. And I introduced myself, you know, connected with them, and I said, "What about you guys?" What do you know about church? And I'm not saying this is all bad. I'm, having a, I'm kind of mocking myself a little bit. But you'll, know, you'll understand why. And I've become so adept at connecting with people who don't know Christ at the level where we are connected. And they like me and I like them. But we're still at the edges of the gospel. When Jesus met people and people met Jesus, it was uncompromisingly the gospel that confronted people's lives. Now Jesus never judged them. Jesus never pushed it around it. Just his mere presence in the Holy Spirit and his awareness of what the Spirit of God is doing in that moment caused them to reach the people not only appropriately but powerfully. You getting this right? So here's what happened, right? So, so we're talking along. I said, I said you, know, you know, we got a church here at Helensville. You should come along. I said, tell me about your church history. And they started telling me their family go to church. And, this, this, and I said, we are a Christian church who love Jesus. And you know what? You're going to love our church if you come along. And then I started to backtrack later on. I promoted the church, which is great. Please promote your church, by the way. All right? I want you to love your church. And I stopped there, though. I had every tool in my arsenal to lead someone to Christ. And in that moment, as I left that, and we had a great time. We chatted longer. I don't know if I'll ever see them again. And I walked away, and I, and I felt this nudge and said, "Why didn't you tell them about me?" And I said, "Well, you know, Lord, to be honest, it takes about 10 Christians to get someone saved. Maybe I'm number three, you know. Maybe number 10 would do it." And there's actually truth to that statistically speaking. Here's what I'm going to show you today, and I'm just going to focus on this one point this morning. You doing okay? Man, I hope you feel convicted because everything that we do here is useless if we're not getting people to heaven. You might experience heaven, but it's no good for you if it's just you that experiencing it. You know, one of the things that, that causes Christians to lose passion and joy is the lack of awareness of the Great Commission. Show me a Christian that loses passion for Jesus. I'll I'll show you somebody who has no heart for the lost. It's true. It's the one thing that will kill you, Is not burnout. The reason Christians burn out spiritually is because they've lost their sense of what God had put in them. If you don't develop what's been deposited in you, um you, you, the fire will die the fire will die all right now i understand that different people have different styles and different people have different personalities so i'm not driving the drum that we all got to be the same we all got to be loud we all got to be ah grab them by the jugular and say give your life to jesus i'm not saying that i love this in john chapter 4 no, no, not that. That's not it. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Here we go. So how do we reach others, okay? That's the point that I want to make. Um, I'll get to that point, but I'll give you a couple of points to start with. Be a light. First of all, just be a light. I mean, you don't have to say anything. Just be a light in their darkness, not in the general, but in every person in the world has a darkness that they're trying to walk through. Just be a light for that. Be a, a positive influencer. Be a, a, a lover of souls. Right? Be generous. Be practically outworking the love of God in their lives without even saying anything. That's if you're going to have a long-term relationship with, with people. And, and, and within that, just don't get Too caught up in the separation of the secular and the sacred. What that means is that the church has separated itself from the world because the Bible said, Pastor, be not like the world. For what has, you know, the Spirit of God have fellowship with the things of the flesh? It's in the Bible, right? So that's not what it means. The Jesus was a classic example, a great example for us on how to be, not separated from the world, but be sanctified within it. How to be in it, but be apart from it. All right? The world never touched him. He touched the world. Come on, somebody. So Christians, over the years, have been afraid that if I am hanging out with non-Christians, they might influence me. Or we're afraid that if if, if, if people are hanging out with The world, they might, but you know, if you're intentional and you love Jesus and you know who you are, the world can't touch you. It's been secure in yourself. You know, I I hang out with non Christians and they swear, and I I deal with different sort of uh, people that are not, you know, church people. And then later on, they say, What do you do for a living? I am a pastor. I know that some clever leaders used to say, I motivate people and give them positive things and, you know, and and all that stuff. I said, I'm a pastor. She said, and they said, normally they would say this, are you a plasterer? (laughs) That's what they normally would say. I said, no, (laughs) I'm a pastor, a church. I have a church, you know, like a priest, a father. I preach on Sundays and I care for people. Ah, I just had one guy on the plane on the way from Melbourne talk. Talk to me about God, you know, because he wanted to know what I did for a living. We had a great time connecting. So, you know, the Old Testament ideology of being a Christian or, or being a, a, a people of God is that they weren't allowed to touch the unclean. They weren't allowed to touch the dead. But that's the very thing that Jesus did. You see, when you've got the power of God in you, you can't touch the unclean, you can't touch the dead, and they will be made clean, and they will be resurrected because of what God's placed in you. Amen. Be of the world, but not of the world. In fact, I'm going to say to you, be in the world to change the world. Amen. We'll talk to you about transformational faith, which is you being transformed in your faith so that you can help transform others. So how do we reach them? Practical outworking of God's love. You know, that's why we have a charitable function as a church. We don't want to just talk about love. We want it to be clear in our community. Now here's the thing that I want to really, really drive for you. In Luke chapter 10, verses 5 to 7, if you've got your Bibles, your electronic Bibles, turn to that. I've read this hundreds of times, even thousands of times, but as I went through this recently, something put in my heart that God did. Whatever. Luke 10, verses 5 to 7. And this is for everybody. Say it with me. This is for everyone. Turn to your neighbors, say, This is for you. All right. Where's that Emmanuel? Thanks, thanks, Manny. Luke 10, 5-7. Listen to this. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to be to, you, to this house. This is after Jesus sent his disciples to go and declare the gospel and win people for Jesus. All right? And if a son of peace, somebody say son of peace. Another translation says, a man of peace. Is there your peace will rest upon him? But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. You say, what's that got to do with anything? You see, when I had these two ladies talking to me in the car park, God gave me two people of peace. And I did nothing with it. I did not give them my peace. You see, in your travels, in your friendships, in the camp Wilson that you're going to, maybe not all of them will respond to what you have to say, but within that you will find there will be people of peace. And the people of peace are people that the Holy Spirit has already been working with. God is already working in them and through them. And when the right time comes, be ready to give your peace to them. And the peace that you have is not the peace of the world, but the peace of Jesus Christ and where it comes from. I remember this. I remember this story. I was 20 years old. I was living in in London at that time. And I I had a dream. Because I was praying the Lord. Some of you know this story, some of you may not, some of you have forgotten because you know no one ever remembers the pastor's message. Right? It's a joke. Those people aren't here anyway. (laughs) Oh, I'm on I'm on live streaming. Sorry guys. (laughs) I'm joking. All right. Come back next week. All right. I was 20 years old and and I just had this burden to, to just reach the lost. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to travel Europe and, and, and Asia and Africa and, and live in Russia and just preach the gospel, Lord. That's all I want to do. Live in my backpack, you know. And, and I had this dream and I saw I was in, in Trafalgar Square with all the pigeons, you know. You've seen that in movies and everywhere. And, and I saw myself talking to this guy and leading him to the Lord. And, I'm th- and the Lord said to me, I woke up, that's going to happen this week. I said, great. I already know what's happening. So I went to work and I was going to go to Trafalgar Square several times. I, could, I remember it was Thursday, 4 p.m. The sun was setting at a certain angle and the light in the place looked just like my dream. So I said to my boss, I'm leaving. I'm out. I ran to Trafalgar Square and I sat there and I waited for the moment. And there was nothing, just pigeons. And there was a guy sitting at the end of this long bench. It's like a three, four-meter bench that you would sit there on the other side of the bench. And the guy was talking to somebody and, and said, having a conversation about tourism. And I said, God, that's not him. Tell him to leave. And the guy left. And then the sun kept going down. And all of a sudden, the pigeons started to fly sideways. They parted as this curly-haired guy started to walk towards me. And he sat next to me, and I didn't know what to say to him. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell him. I saw him in my dreams. I think that's going to be a little bit weird, you know. And, um, and he approached me, and he said, hey, what are you doing here? You know, I said, ah, I'm just sitting, just waiting and God, i got to have an entry point. And I heard another guy say to somebody else, are you a tourist? To some, Another conversation I overheard. Because I wanted to be really powerful like the book of Acts leaders. You know what I'm talking about? I said, God, I'm going to tell him his name. I'm going to blow this guy's mind. I'm going to say to him, your name is... And God sent me to you. I was gonna, I was gonna do that, right? I was ready for that, so I sat there waiting for God to tell me His name. So I saw a bus go by that says Stephano. so it must be (laughs) Stephen, right? And I saw another bus drive past, you know, and you know, kind of you know, all the buses have names on them and and advertising and. And I saw another name go by, and it says Brandon. I said, it "Must be Brandon." And I was just thinking, and I'm like, "Then there's too many names that was coming coming to me. I'm confused. Which one is it?" I said, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible." So I opened my Bible. I'm thinking to myself, "I'm completely stuck." I opened my Bible, just started reading it, and it reached out to me and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" I said, "Just reading my my Bible," and I said. Are you a tourist? Because as I heard a guy ask them, I'm a tourist. To try, I said, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm from South Africa and um, just here. And I'm just having troubles with my girlfriend. And I said, well, tell me about yourself. You know, I'm a Christian. Tell me what's going on. What I, was, I was just being a light to his darkness. So we're looking for peace. There's just no peace. I said, well, actually, uh, I know a guy. I know a guy, and, you know, and he calls himself the Prince of Peace. Can you believe it? And he goes, really? I said, let me tell you about him. And I started to share Jesus to him and he started to weep. I said, i got to tell you something about myself. I said, what's that? I used to be a youth pastor and I walked away from God. And I've been saying to God, send somebody along that will bring me back to you. I said, let me tell you something. You were in my dreams. And I showed him what was in my dream, and he was just blown away. I said, What's your name? It says, Funny you should ask that. Because the whole time I was sitting here, I couldn't stop shaking. Because I saw you open the Bible and you're reading the book of Mark. It said, My name is Mark. (laughs) What's that about? See, God, when I was younger and a little less domesticated, sometimes we become more aware when we know less, when God brings us a person to peace. Sometimes you've been a Christian for so long, you become inoculated by religion, by knowledge, by tradition, by good behavior. Heaven's priority is to reconcile the world. And we are his ambassadors of reconciliation. Reach people. They're just waiting for someone to. You have friends who don't know Jesus. I'm not forcing you to just go preach to them. Find the moment of peace. And when they're ready with what God has given you, you'll be amazed. Of what God will do. And don't stop praying for them. Because it takes prayer to draw someone to Jesus. I'm a product of prayer, as I know many of you are. Let's reach others because God is reaching them. And he needs us to do that. And that's why I'm so excited about the choir, <laughs> the things that we've got to do. We've been trying to get into the high school for the last two years here. And, and the door has been shut. They called me a couple of weeks ago. I had a meeting with the chaplains of the high school here. Next year, they're going to turn a classroom into a co- coffee lounge. And they have asked us as a church to run a senior lounge program to serve coffee and, and, and donuts and, and morning tea to the students. And talk to them about life. The school has given us a place of peace. <laughs> Amen. We're going to do it. And, 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 you know, we had a young pastor by the name of Ben Hartley years ago that he started that and it, it died when he, he left. And, and, and the chaplain said to me, we've been waiting to do that again. And no one has put their hand up. I said, <laughs> we're right here. We want to reach these kids. Before they go out into the big world, we want, we want them to have something. And they said yes. And so the chaplain's going to come here in, in, in January He's just going to share a little bit about the work that they do in the high school here. We are partnering with that as a church. And so how awesome is that? See, God will make a way for you to reach people if you have a heart for it. And the reason we don't reach people is because we don't have a heart for it. Let's see this city changed by the power of Jesus. Amen. I hope you feel convicted and challenged today. And uh, because people deserve to have the joy that you have. And their brokenness and their depression and their anxiety, they, they need what you have. And you are God's appointment, appointed person for those people. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and bow your heads as we close this morning. How many of you this morning would say, Pastor, what you said really is really tough for me to handle. For some of you might say, yeah, let's go take the world. But I was wondering if you would just today consider and say this prayer with me to the Lord, Lord give me the awareness when I met with people of peace and give me the boldness and the courage to not shy away from the moment I wonder how many you would make that commitment, I'm not asking you to commit by numbers but I'm saying would you become intentional in your Christianity to begin to start to fulfill the priority of heaven for your life Maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your father, maybe it's your mother, maybe it's your classmates, maybe it's your friend, maybe it's your relative. I don't know who that person is, but at some point in time, I believe that when we make a commitment, the Lord will start bringing people who are in darkness, who needs to see the light, who are ready to receive what we have. I wonder how many of you this morning would say, Ted... I want to be ready for that. I want to be ready for that moment. If that's you, just stand to your feet. And I want to commit myself to be aware of that moment with God. To just share that peace with that person of peace. To connect with them. The gospel that I live in. You don't have to be a Bible college student. You don't have to be a pastor. You just need to be you. Because they like you for who you are. Just be you. You don't need a seminar to learn how to do it. Your life is the gospel. Paul says that we are a living epistle. Your life is filled with the word of God. Your stories, your experiences with God. Hallelujah. Father, bless this house. Bless each home. Give us boldness and courage and wisdom and the right words to speak. But most of all, we pray for that person of peace in our lives that we might leave our peace with them and they may never be the same after meeting the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a clap of praise. You guys, woo, I'm so excited with what God will do in all our lives. Amen. You guys could be the key to someone's life changing. I just really sense that it's, it's, it's more than just telling them the Bible. It's, you know, there could be someone in your life. I really sense this. God, Spirit, just put on me. There's some of you here. You know, I know, John, there's some people that you're going to meet very, very soon that just, they're just going to change your life when they meet you because they they know that there's something different about you. I just really sense that. You're going to be able to say something you don't even know where it's coming from, and you're just going to say it. And you say, where'd that come from? They say, where'd that come from, John? (laughs) And it's just God. It's just going to be God moments. So get, get ready, guys, for God moments. Amen. Get ready for God moments. God moments. God moments. Be ready for it. It'll happen, amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.